0: The Doctor Is In is a co-production of Avi Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.
1: Hello, Dr. Ray. Hi, Dr. Ray. How are you?
2: I'm sure I'm going to get really good advice from you. Well, I don't know about that.
0: You know, I was looking for a deeper answer.
2: You came to the wrong place. So what do I do? Well, I don't know. I'm not going to tell you what to do. This
1: is wonderful advice. This is what I needed to hear. You're right on track with
2: us. You're right on track.
1: Can everybody make a mistake?
2: Does that comfort you? No. Am I close?
1: No. You are the best thing that has ever happened to
2: people. Did I make you feel a lot better or what? No, you made me feel worse.
0: Now, from the studios of Living Bread Radio Network in Canton, Ohio, the hometown of Mother Angelica, here's Dr. Ray.
2: Well, just to defend myself, when I asked, am I close, they said no. Well, wait a minute. I could have been very close, but they didn't recognize that. That's one of the dangers in doing counseling or therapy. Ah, I shouldn't use the word dangers. One of the obstacles that you can... You can see a connection. You can make an observation that is totally foreign to the individual listening. And they think you're way off. You're wrong. And typically, a good therapist won't won't challenge it right off the bat. Give it a little time for it to sink in or to bring up some other observations where the person will say, Oh, you know when you said... And then they recognize that the observation was right or was accurate. So that's one of the main aspects of doing counseling is to recognize that what you may say may not sit well with the person. It may sound foreign. It may sound illegitimate until, if and when, they gain a little more insight into the whole matter. Now, that's not to say you can't say way off things, because you can, of course. You can be premature in your judgment and find out later. But it isn't automatic that when someone says you missed it, especially if you're talking about behavior or emotions or insights, that you, in fact, did miss it. Many of you in marriages who get frustrated because you make some observation that it seems so obvious to you about what your spouse is doing or has done or is like in certain situations and they totally disagree totally their view is you're just wrong you're just wrong in every way and you're thinking to yourself no i'm not no i'm not so when i asked that question i knew i could be right they just didn't think so nice to have you here this is e-person monday had to do something to take on some of the many, many e-persons that I get. Oftentimes they come from the television show because my producer says, we want to hear from you. And then puts up the drray.com website and we get an awful lot of e-persons. So I take those that I can, who which are suitable to some type of commentary. I don't like to read an e-person all the way through and then say, okay, here's something to think about. No, I like to analyze it sentence by sentence as we go. So we'll we'll get to some of those shortly. Years and years ago, I was asked by a fellow who was a philosophy professor at a university to do a speaking engagement. Now, he may have been very good in philosophy, but he wasn't, it appeared to me, so very good about judgments on getting an audience because he scheduled me to speak to parents at, I think it was 4.30, On a Friday afternoon I warned him I said well why would why would you pick that time and he said well you know a lot of times people are busy at night so so we're gonna get them pretty much close to right after school and they won't really have anything interfering and I thought to myself they'll have more things interfering and then I said why did you choose Friday well, you know, it's, it's moving into the weekend and people people are feeling confident that they that they have more time coming up over the weekend and they can afford to spend an hour. And I didn't I'm not going to debate, but I knew I knew this was not going to work. And this was before I was on the air Uh, in radio or television. This was just essentially I made a living doing a lot of speaking engagements and therapy and consultation. So it wasn't a matter of he was calling from an affiliate city where some of the people would be familiar with who you are so they might want to come despite the fact that it's 4.30 on a Friday afternoon. Well, I had a big crowd. I did. As a matter of fact, I was able to give my crowd my total attention, complete and total attention, because it was one person. One lady showed up, and she and I sat in the little theater seats that they had, and that's the other thing that hurt. This this place was a high school theater that probably sat about 500. 50 people would look minuscule in a 500-seat auditorium, much less one. So later on, he and I talked, and I talked about people struggling with the idea that it's going to work out the way God wants it to work out, ultimately. But yet, he gives us all kinds of free will to make decisions. And the man gave to me what I thought was a very... Nice, a bad bad word, nice, a very thoughtful analogy. He said, if I play Bobby Fischer in chess, Bobby Fischer was an older grandmaster, or Boris Spatsky, who some people think is probably the greatest chess player ever, the outcome is determined. I am going to lose. Fisher or Spatsky will win the game. However, for anyone who knows how chess works, within the game, I have countless it has to be it has to be billions of potential combinations of moves. I have the free will to make whatever move I want to make. Now, again, that's somewhat constricted by whatever move he makes. But still, my free will on that chessboard is virtually limitless. However, whatever moves I make, if God has an ultimate purpose, he will make that happen still allowing me to have all the free will I want. Now, that may not be a perfect analogy, and I'm sure there are those who are pretty sophisticated theologically who would see the lack of parallels in that analogy, but I thought it was a very good one. It it worked for me. It kind of put together the two notions of I have free will, but yet God has an ultimate plan. So, if you have billions of people with free will, yet God's still working out an ultimate plan within the context of all those people exerting their own will, that made sense to me. So, even though I only had one person at my talk, which was the lowest audience I've ever had, (laughs) I came away with a fascinating analogy for me and one I could share with others when I come back got my first email lined up this is dr. Ray he is only one of four popes honored
3: as the great Matthew Bunsen and the doctors of the church.
2: St. Leo I was Pope at a time when Roman civilization was being overrun by barbarian armies. He stood as a light in the darkness and even saved the city of Rome from destruction by Attila and the Huns. Leo died in 461.
3: For more about the Doctors of the Church, visit doctorsofthechurch.com. Brought to you by the nonprofit Seton Home Study. Hi, everybody.
2: Dr. Ray Guerrero here. You thinking about homeschooling? Seaton Homeschooling, forty years of experience, seventeen thousand current students, pre-K through high school. They provide the books, the lesson plans, the counselors, the grading services, the tests. That's right, pretty much everything. My wife and I use Seaton. Some of our children I'll tell you this. Two of them got perfect ACT scores in verbal, and overall, the Seaton students scored more than a hundred points above average on the SAT. Over 30% higher on English and reading on the ACT. It's a rigorous program. You want to give the very best to your kids? Trust me on this one. Go with Seton. It is a beautifully rigorous academic program. Go to Seatonhome.org.
0: That is Seatonhome.org. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot?
2: Thank you for joining me. Dr. Ray Grandy here. Program Doctor is in variant of the program. E-Person Monday. How do I deal with a sister who is cheating on her husband? Uh, Via online Facebook ex-boyfriend. And her husband now wants my advice. Since he's read these Facebook messages. So apparently brother-in-law is coming to sister who is asking sister you know your sister which I would suspect that brother-in-law may know his wife a lot more than sister knows sister but what do we do what do I do then she adds this he has dealt with her cheating before with this same man And then the kicker line. Both my sister and my brother-in-law are practicing Catholics. I don't know what she means by practicing Catholics. That line always confuses me. Because it is not a practicing Catholic to flirt with adultery. Not once, but ongoing. So... Practicing Catholics is more easily defined as devotional Catholics, mass-going Catholics, Catholics who speak about the faith in a certain way. But it's very difficult to be a practicing Catholic when one could be in the state of mortal sin. You cut yourself off from God. So I don't quite know what that means, but that, that has always confused me. Uh, a parallel to that would be, well, he's a devout Catholic. What does that mean? What is devout Catholic? Does it mean he, does it mean he talks Catholic? Does it mean he is very intensely obedient in those things, Catholic, that he agrees with? But where he doesn't agree, that doesn't have any impact on how devout he supposedly is. So, the question becomes, what does she tell her brother-in-law? Are there children? Does the brother-in-law want to endure this for the sake of the kids, to give them a home, and to recognize that... uh, his wife at the very least is is flirting with infidelity of a physical nature or a strong emotional nature if the word practicing catholics or the phrase applies differently to him as opposed to his wife then one would think that he would probably be more committed to making the marriage work. For whatever the reason, she may be connecting with this guy that in her mind is going to be a source of more pleasant happiness for her to quote-unquote fulfill her emotional needs, whatever that means. If I were the sister-in-law i might say how important do you think it is to persevere in this marriage i would also point out that if in fact the marriage breaks and she connects with this guy one is he married and will she be breaking up his marriage two does he have children How will she handle those? Three, will his own children be forced to accept this guy, to get along with this guy, to follow this guy's rules if she ultimately ends up with him? All of these are serious complications that I would bring up to him. And I would point out that you're enduring through this It it may be a scenario of that she actually has to follow through at a deeper level with this relation I shouldn't use the word deeper. At a (laughs) at persevere with with a more complicated level of this relationship so that she finds out it was stupid and perhaps her Catholic faith will begin to control her actions. Now, I've seen that happen a lot, where people pursue an adulterous relationship at the very great risk <laughs> for their marriage, and they ultimately repent, and they ultimately want to persevere in committing to this marriage. That happens a lot. He may he may decide, okay, I'm just going to see where all this goes, but in the meantime, I'm going to give my kids the best home I can give them. So that's probably what I would talk about if I were heading that way. Okay, let's see where we're going here. i got to see that was set at 810. I've got these on my phone. It was so much easier when I had them in a stack because I could just go through the stack. Now on the phone, what happens is once you do an e-person, it scrolls all the way back up to the present date. And then i got to go back down and find them. Let's see what this one is here. I don't want that one. Let's go with this one here. (laughs) Okay. Uh, I like the humility spoken of in this one. Hey, Dr. Ray. You can tell that's a guy right off the bat. I've been listening to your show for a while now. You've helped me become more confident in my parenting. Unfortunately, my question doesn't have to do with parenting. And I love the way he put this next line. I need some advice on how to become less of a jerk. (laughs) And he has has jerk capitalized. I have a certain in-law who just annoys me every time I interact with him. Then he says this. Through no fault of his own, we just don't click, despite many attempts. And I don't know if he even realizes we don't click. Well, that's good. If, in fact, your jerkdom is silent jerkdom, and he doesn't recognize that you don't care much to be around this guy. By the way, you say in-law. Does that mean this is your sister's husband? Or your wife's brother-in-law, sister-in-law? Or brother-sister? Who knows? Okay. There are so many things he does that really just make me want to make fun of him. Although I don't say anything to anyone outside my wife. That's good. That's real good. Okay, so there's stuff this guy does that you find irksome now i think you're right i think the main problem with all that lies within you it doesn't sound like you're saying he's obnoxious or difficult unpleasant to be around you're saying i just don't like aspects of his personality whatever those might be i'm always polite to him now this is okay this is a line i immediately will dispute dispute. But I can't help but cringe when he talks. Of course you can. You no, know, he's putting a gun to your head and saying cringe when he talks. You might say, I don't like it when he talks. You have to cringe. So what? See, you're not, you're not allowing him to be who he is. You're saying he's not a problem really It's just something about his personality that just rubs you the wrong way. Maybe he's whiny. Maybe he's complaining. Whatever it might be. Then he says, I know. Capital no. This is a me problem. And I respect that. I respect that a lot. That's the first step to doing something about it. If you say, I have a role in this. Now, what he's saying is, I have a big role in this. Maybe I have the only role in this. But what can I do to change my frame of mind? Well, change your frame of mind. In other words, you're not stuck in that frame of mind. You can start telling yourself, this is who he is. I don't have to be upset by who he is. I can have tolerance for this man, even though my emotional initial reaction is not to have tolerance. I'm going to fake it. You said I'm already polite to him. Okay, that's a good first step. You're faking it. You don't feel like being polite. You'd rather not be around him. But apparently, he's a family member you're going to have to be around. So, decide to be less of a jerk. How do I change my frame of mind? You change your frame of mind. There's not some formula. Well, in a way there is. You rethink. You look at it differently. Your answers to <laughs> your answers to others on the show always seem so obvious to me. And I can guess what you're about to say, but I guess I've got my blinders on here. And then he says this, this is classic. He is a sweet and pleasant guy. But I quote, and these are all in caps, just don't like him. How can I change? Well, you start treating him nice. You don't just be polite. Ask him about himself. Ask him about his own interests. Show an interest in him. Strike up a a conversation with him. My guess is you avoid him, and so you're polite when you have to. You say hello when you come in and goodbye when you leave, and you call that polite. But for the most part, you have to near total control over how you think toward this guy. This is not a matter of automatic, it's a reflex. There's his face and then I got this dislike. That's not so. No, 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 no. There's an intermediate step here. And that intermediate step is why does he have to be that way? I don't like the way he is. So? So you don't like the way he is? That doesn't mean you can't treat him well. And it doesn't mean you can't notice what is good about him. You could do that. Hey, did you think of that as obvious as what I was going to say? <laughs> Dr. Ray.
0: Those who deny the full humanity of the preborn will be toying with the sentiments of pro-life people. They will say, you can't really believe in the humanity of the unborn unless you support this or that piece of legislation. The pro-life position is quite different. We might well believe that we need to improve social conditions. But first of all, we believe that the pre-born are a good to be protected. Even if born into poverty, even if born into unstable, violent homes, we want to eliminate those terrible conditions but it is the height of arrogance to tell human beings, like unborn children who cannot communicate or reason or stand up for themselves, that they are better off dead because we know from our own experience that we would choose life and survival over death, no matter how poor our
3: social environment. Cresta in the Afternoon, weekdays at 4 Eastern on EWTN Radio.
1: Does Jesus always answer our prayers? The Catholic Catechism says, yes, Jesus always answers prayers offered in faith and quotes our Lord who said, your faith has made you well, go in peace. The Catechism cites three examples where Jesus reacts to three different kinds of prayer. The prayer of faith is expressed by the leper, the Canaanite woman, and the good thief. The prayer of petition is exhibited in the action of the bearers of the paralyzed man and the hemorrhaging woman who is healed by merely touching Jesus' cloak. Finally, urgent prayer is heard from the lips of the blind men. Have mercy on us, Son of David. This is remembered today as the Jesus prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. St. Augustine parses this prayer thusly. Jesus prays for us as our priest, in us as our head, and is prayed to by us as our God. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism.
2: Thanks for joining me Dr. Ray Garrandy here program doctors in version variant upcoming variants all the time e person monday this show evolves I didn't notice this it was it was a while back when it came in and I should have taken it first keeping up with my rule that if you disagree with me you are at the front of the line you jump the line no matter how many are in front of you Hello, Dr. Ray. I thought you might get a laugh out of my having a comment after listening to your show today. One of your callers told the situation of a daughter, the boyfriend, and the mother who opposed the relationship, and another older woman who lived in a difficult marriage for 50 years. Okay, so there's two calls she's commenting on. Your advice to the latter was spot on. Accept what is and find a worthwhile happiness and comfort of your own and not to dwell on something you cannot change. Okay, she's making the observation that she agreed with me when this caller called in and said, I've been married for 50 years and here's some of the stuff that still is is seriously bothersome. And I made the observation that don't underestimate your ability to live at more peace with someone. She said, it took me many years to arrive at the peace that that brought me in a marriage of close to 60 years. In other words, what she's saying is, I got you on that one. I agree with you on that one. Therefore, I had to come to my own conclusion to live at peace in this marriage or live at more peace, less distress, less frustration in a marriage that has pretty much... Not changed. Now, here's the big but. The advice to the young couple who truly believe they care about one another and to proceed with the relationship despite the boy's mother's concern I found wanting. Okay. The call was that... The mom called in and said I have great concerns about this relationship. However, in the call, the mother also shared that the boy was not open to her concerns at all. At all. And they were planning on getting married. And mom said, you know, if 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 I if I act upon my reservations, That'll, that'll force him to rethink this because now there's a price to pay. And I made the observation that that one doesn't work very often at all because given whatever she's telling me, the likelihood is that he is going to land on his girlfriend's side and then mom will lose contact with them both. All right, now, the writer says your advice was wanting I concluded after many years that I definitely should have listened to my mother, who did not want me to marry my husband, and also a nun I truly respected, warned me that if I did marry him, I'd never be happy. So after several decades, maybe not even that long, she came to the conclusion, I made a mistake. I should have listened. Yeah, but see, that's, that's a completely separate issue from the issue of the boy is not listening now and he has no intention of listening. And in fact, the mother was saying, should I, in essence, cut them off or, or be cold? And I said, that doesn't work usually. So it's a little bit different situation. She's looking back and she's saying they were right. Now, this boy may look back one day and say, my mom was right. But that's different from what's happening right now when mom's question was, what I do? She says, my solution to avoiding these kinds of problems that can affect your life for many years is to let your parents choose your spouse. Well, in much of human history and in many cultures today, that's the way it's done. arranged marriages. However, that is no guarantee that if your parents choose your spouse, you will have a happy marriage, a contented marriage. That's no guarantee of that. And she said, Dr. Ray, this is where you laugh. (laughs) No, I don't laugh. She says, I stand by it with qualifications. If... The parents are responsible, loving, God fearing, reasonable people, then listen to them seriously, very seriously, even if it means halting a relationship and you think you can't do it. You will live to thank them profoundly. That can be. Not saying that can't happen. What I'm saying is if the young adult is unwilling, and in that call, it was very clear he was unwilling to take any advice that puts mom into a very different situation now. Yeah, maybe 20 years from now, she could say, I told you so. But for right now, if she says, I can't accept that girl, or I won't accept that girl, then what she risks is losing her son too. And I've seen it in my office so many times. Where the parents don't accept who the young adult has chosen And there was a rift. That was it. And included a rift with the grandkids. So on one hand, I agree that it is probably wisest to consider what the parents are observing, especially if, now here's the the other big if, you respect the parent's ability to make those kinds of judgments a lot of young adults i talk to say i don't i don't really give my mom much credibility given that this is what she's done with her life or given that and i know our our writer is basically saying they're good god-fearing people or given given that i think her reasons for not accepting my chosen boyfriend girlfriend's fiance or fiance are not good reasons. I've seen many God-fearing parents come to very much love a person they initially had all kinds of reservations for. So, if the question is, listen to your parents, consider it. I agree. Especially given that the parents are viewed with respect and admiration and are level-headed God-fearing people. I got it. On the other hand, if you don't, then the advice to the parents is you're going to be in a position where you sort of have to accept who the person chooses. Unless, of course, they're incredibly hostile toward you, and that can happen too. All kinds of dynamics in these kinds of situations. Dr. Rick. Living the Beatitudes with Father Bjorn
3: Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God.
2: The virtue of purity and holy chastity is certainly a very important thing, but I think we can misunderstand this beatitude. As human beings in our fallen state, we tend to love things and use people, but we're meant to use things and love people.
3: We can manipulate in relationships and we can try to control other people and we can focus on other people as objects. But to be pure in heart is to be in love, and ultimately to be pure in
2: heart and to be happy is to be in love with God himself as well. This beatitude calls us to have
3: a focus on being open to choosing God, choosing life, to choose love. If God is not the ultimate end of our desires and our hopes and dreams, we will be the saddest of people. Let's say yes to God and choose his way, be focused on his love and pure in heart. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. For more about the Beatitudes, visit EWTNRC.com.
1: Catholic Connection with Teresa Tomio. People have this false notion that after the Supreme Court came out with, of course, Roe v. Wade, and gave us abortion on demand through nine months of pregnancy and all of a sudden all of these regulations were put into place when all of these independent abortion facilities popped up all over the country when Planned Parenthood started opening its doors and doing abortions legally after 1973 that it was always so safe and wonderful And they believe this because they don't see these stories about the botched abortions, the women who have lost their lives, the women who have been violated because their information has been tossed out in the street with the garbage and the medical waste. Not to mention the fact that the regulations that are on the books are not even enforced and rarely are these facilities inspected. And yet people think that they're so safe. Catholic Connections, Teresa Tomio,
0: Weekdays, 9 a.m.
1: Eastern. On EWTN Radio.
2: Thank you so much for joining me. Dr. Ray Grendy here, my producer man over there in Ann Arbor, Andrew check. Very, very nice to have you with me. I had a comment this e-person Monday. I had a comment. I, I don't know if it was a monologue or someone who called in very, very frustrated working in an environment. I think it was preschool on many of the new, enlightened ways to deal with children, and she was getting very frustrated because it, it led to an awful lot of uh, unruly chaos. Dr. Ray, I spoke with my daughter-in-law, who teaches elementary school. She said... At the staff meeting prior to the start of the school year, they were told they cannot single out any student. Now, before I go any further on that, when you hear single out, what do you think? You think uh, mistreat or be unfair to or clearly treat a child differently from the other kids. You, it Single out is a pejorative term in most of our minds, correct? For example, if the class is lined up for recess and little Max is kicking Bella, the teacher cannot or is not to pull out Max and make him go to the back of the line. That is single him, singling him out. Now, here would be my question. All right, then what do you do? Do you tell him to stop? Do you ignore it? That would be, If you ignored it, that's complete, sing, that's complete lacking of a singling out. But if you say something to him, then you really have singled him out. Because the other kids are seeing you say something to him, Max, don't kick Bella. Like he's going to listen, okay? If he's kicking her and he realizes after about three episodes of kicking her that all you're going to say is don't kick her, then he's going to quickly realize I can kick her whenever I want and the most that will happen is you'll say don't do that. But that's still singling him out. That would have been the question I would raise. I would raise my hand and I would say, so how are you defining single out? Then she goes on. She says, you cannot single out a student for praise either. Down the road, I'm going to have a re-release of a book that I have questioned my wisdom in titling it as i did the book was titled advice worth ignoring and it was 50 ideas that are common within the parenting landscape mostly come upon by experts developed by experts over the last 20 30 40 years on how to be a enlightened how to be an enlightened parent And how the net effect of some of these ideas, well, all of them that I identified, uh, can be uh, real trouble. It can corrode authority, it can corrode self-confidence, it can make for a much more difficult, unpleasant, unhappy kid. And one of those, and I've heard this many times, is you do not praise a child. Praising a child will convey the message that through your praise, you are saying... You are valuable because you have pleased me. That is what the praise is going to do. That's, that's the theory. That's nonsense, but that's the theory. So I'm suspecting that this idea that the teacher got in her staffing, which is you, you don't sing a lot of kid for praise. You don't say, hey, that's a beautiful picture. Because that makes the other kids feel bad because they didn't, put together such a beautiful picture. They don't have the artistic skill. Would singling a kid out for praise mean giving him an A when the kid sitting next to him who got a C can look over at his A and feel incompetent, perhaps, compared to him? This is one of those ideas that on paper... If you do not go any deeper than a half an inch, sounds like, well, okay, that, that sounds plausible. I mean, you don't, you don't single any kid out for praise. If you're a teacher who likes to give compliments, likes to support, then you'll find ways to do that with all the kids. Nobody will be singled out in any way other than your praise will be different depending upon the kid. Okay. Okay she goes further this is the mom talking about the daughter's school I worked one year as a playground cafeteria monitor when a child did not follow the rules or misbehaved on the playground we could tell him or her to sit next to the wall for two minutes or so if I was in the cafeteria he or she had to sit by themselves Cannot do that anymore. So what then do you do? See, that's my question. What then do you do? Ultimately, these kinds of ideas collapse under their own weight. And she said this last line, which is one of the reasons why they collapse. Needless to say, the staff is demoralized. I've always maintained that education has become the repository for a lot of the new and enlightened ideas that ultimately don't work. One example of this is some years back whole language learning reading was that the kids would recognize words without sounding them out. They would they would have a a list of words that they would learn and they would know And that would be the better way to learn to read. Well, what they found out is that didn't work well at all. More and more kids were being diagnosed with learning disabilities when in fact the approach that was the new and enlightened approach, when it was tested by reality, collapsed. And they went back to phonics, teaching kids to sound out words by having some rules about letters. So, hopefully, they'll realize that whatever, whoever convinced them that this is the way to do it now, it's a new and enlightened way, will have all kinds of unexpected, unintended complications. Dr. Ray.
1: Underwritten in part by the following nonprofit.
3: I'm Chuck Gattaca, and this is Journey Strong. From the Old to the New Testament, Scripture speaks about us controlling our anger. Proverbs states that those of us with a hasty temper will make mistakes. We also know anger issues can lead to health issues. We can cause a fight, lose a friend, or witness to others in ways that are unproductive. Mayo Clinic suggests some ways to manage our anger and dial down the temperature of our anger. Practice deep breathing, maybe a personal timeout. Think before speaking. Calm down before discussing a concern. This will lead to less stress. Identify solutions and present them calmly. Try using humor or laugh at yourself. Humor can be a great diffuser. Most of all, if you have persistent anger issues at work or at home, don't be afraid to seek help. For more details on managing anger, look for the Journey Strong tab at the homepage of AveMariaRadio.net. Maybe you've been hearing a lot about the need to make a spiritual communion while participating from home in a
0: live-streamed or broadcast Mass. There's more to it than reciting the act of spiritual communion. We should begin by having sincere repentance for our sins and affirming our belief that Christ's death redeemed us. Next, we call to mind the spiritual gifts found in Christ's sacrifice and thank God earnestly for them. Now we are disposed to pray the traditional prayer of spiritual communion. Jesus, I embrace you and unite myself wholly to you.
2: Thanks for joining me. The last segment. I better hurry it up on ePerson Monday. This is from Carol. I was talking about my wife. And uh, we, I, my wife has started uh, lifting weights with me and my brother. Now, my, my wife has always lifted weights. She's been lifting weights since, since we were dating. But she always did it on her own. But we convinced her to come and be with us. And this is neat. So she said, this is from Carol. She said, Dr. Way, I, I, your wife is terrific. I don't have a plate on my back. I made the observation that my wife did 25 push-ups with a 25-pound plate on her back. She says, I don't have a plate on my back, but I can do 40 guy push-ups. Is she allowed to say that, Andrew? Guy push-ups? Uh, that's kind of insensitive. She then says, I am in my late 70s. A woman in her late 70s doing 40 push-ups. You know, the average guy would struggle to get 10. She said, I've been blessed with a natural athletic physique and high metabolism. Father God is fun. (laughs) I wrote back to her and I said, Carol, the average 40-year-old guy can't do 10 to pushing push-ups. You, my dear, are a freak of nature. That's what I said. She says, "Dear Doctor Ray, it's true. I can do those push-ups. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good, Carol." All right, see what else we got here. I got to find a quick one. Mm, see what that one is here. <laughs> My yeah, I can probably get through this. My husband's twenty-year-old daughter, Catholic school educated, twelve K through twelve, has been living with her boyfriend for about two years now. Okay, that means she started when she was eighteen. So as soon as she got out of the house, went in with her boyfriend. She and her boyfriend want to stay with us when they come to our area. My husband wants to accommodate them. I initially told my husband they can't stay here. They can't stay here unless they're married. He then wanted to pay for a hotel room for them, to which I also objected. This is creating a tremendous degree of hostility towards me. In other words, she's the bad guy. But notice what she said. My husband's daughter. In other words, this is bio dad saying, I don't want to alienate my daughter. And stepmom saying, wait a minute got some morals here that we we say we adhere to she says so my question is this would it be a morally correct compromise to host them if they will agree to sleep in separate rooms my reasoning is that perhaps it would be better for this couple to stay with us in separate rooms rather than stay elsewhere where they would share a bed makes sense seems to be now, my guess is I haven't gone any further on this because, again, I have often said this. I I choose the e-person for comment, and then, being it's several weeks back sometimes, I don't remember how it ended. So my guess would be that the dad doesn't want to do this for his own emotional reasons. I see this all the time in step-parent situations. Many times the step-parent has a more objective view of the situation, but the bio-parent, the natural parent, has emotional issues, fears of alienating the child. So, she says, I am disappointed in my husband because if this is a reasonable compromise, his reason will be to please them and not to look bad. So, I don't know if she's proposed this compromise to her husband yet or not, but, and that was going to be my comment, my My wonder, my guess, would be that if she presents this compromise, he's not going to see it as a compromise. He's going to see it as, we don't accept what you're doing, and we're letting you know that. And that's maybe a bridge too far for him. His reasons will be to please them and not look bad, while my reasons are to find a moral and correct solution And then she goes on to say that might possibly bring this young couple to an awareness of the immorality of their lifestyle. Well, I'm probably not with you on that one. Even if they do think it's immoral, which I suspect not, that's one of the big changes that's happening in our culture. It's no longer so much, I'm doing wrong, but I'm weak, or I want to, or in many respects, I'm just giving in. No, no, what I'm doing is not wrong. And that's probably where they're at. So he's worried about, well, if we make a statement by saying, you know, you can't sleep in the same bedroom when you come to our house. He's figuring they're not going to come. They're not going to come. And then he also figures that he'll run into trouble with them because he's, quote unquote, siding with his wife. I'm not always able to tune into your radio show, Dr. Ray, and would greatly appreciate it if you'll respond by email. Well, that always puts me in a difficult position because I get so many emails. But I did respond very briefly to her. I said, it's my opinion that that is an acceptable compromise. But again, as I said, there are probably emotional dynamics that may not allow husband to accept this compromise so there you go looking at the clock i'm going to have to compromise with it because i've only got 40 seconds left i routinely see step parents seeing discipline matters moral matters in many respects more objectively than the biological parent because the biological parent has a history The biological parent is much more worried about having the child be upset with them or even shunning them. So they they allow things. They compromise their own morals sometimes because for them the greater threat is alienation. Thanks for joining me here on E-Person Monday. I'm Dr. Ray Garendi, program doctor is in. As always, thank you, Andrew Kruchek, for everything that way. And thanks to all of you. Your walk with God is infinite. Whether you choose it to be or not, it is.
0: For information on Dr. Ray's presentations, books, and CDs, visit DRA.com and follow him on Facebook. The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.